Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. Now in our 16th season, with over 500 episodes in 17 countries, we are Radio Strong. Now here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Leslie Eckford and Amanda Lambert and they are owners of a company you can find it at mindfulaging.com if you're if you're watching this on your computer or listening to it on one of the places that we're on which are iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio. Um, if you like what you hear today, Go ahead and look through the um, search function for Leslie Eckford or Amanda Lambert and other shows will come up that we've done because we've done quite a few together, ladies, and they're really important because I'm part of the sandwich generation. I'm caring for young kids and I'm caring for my dad who's 89. And the topic today is ideas for staying mentally sharp, whether you're alone or you're living with your your, you know, elder family member, that's a tough one because I see a big difference in my, my ex-mother-in-law who does crossword puzzles. She does physical puzzles and she's got these, you know, little games she plays versus my dad. That's kind of glued to YouTube, the TV and the phone. And I don't know how much of that is innate to who they are, or are we just, you know, turning into zombies with tech and so much stuff to watch, so much digital media to watch. Why would you get up out of your chair if your kid will bring you a glass of water and you've got, you know, whatever, 500 channels on satellite? Yeah, it's a, it's a great point and a really interesting subject. And, you know, it could be that the difference between your dad and the other person that you were referring to is that, um, and was that a friend, a female friend? That well, my ex-mother does Oh, your ex-mother-in-law. Okay. Um, She is challenging herself Mm -hmm. every single time she does a crossword puzzle or, you know, plays a game. Whereas your dad, it sounds pretty passive. So I don't know how much his, yeah, his brain is actually engaged because there's quite a bit of research to show that if people do engage in an activity that's uncomfortable in the sense that it challenges their ability Mm-hmm. That has a really positive effect wow. on their on their cognition. But you're right; there could have been sort of some pre-existing. The two of them could have. It, it could be that your your former um, uh, mother-in-law was like, you know, she was predisposed to be attracted to those particular activities. But I think there's a lot to be said for um, engaging in activities that that challenge you, go outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Leslie, what do you got for us? You know, I think years ago, I found some research that talked about how many calories are burned when someone is watching television, say two hours, versus how many calories someone burns when they are reading a book. Hmm. And you burn more calories when you're reading a book. So it's the same setting, someone in a sitting position, someone who is engaged with an activity, but it was quite clear from that type of study where they're looking at your metabolic rate 
that you are using more energy to read a book wow. than you are watching television, which really was a wake up call to me when I think about, you know, we're talking about adults right now, but think about all our children who are raised on television screens and now computer screens mm -hmm. and iPhones and iPads. What does it mean about how our bodies are adjusting to these different technologies? Obviously well, I, I turn into a zombie. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's really easy to do. And, you know, obviously the technology offers so many advantages. And, you know, when we talk about older adults, we also have a great concern about social isolation and loneliness. And technology does offer a window to the world as, as, as it will never be a complete um, substitute for one-to-one -one human contact. Thank goodness we've had the Zoom calls and the video calls to connect us in some way over the period of the pandemic. So yeah, but there are definitely some trade-offs that we need to be realistic about. Yeah, and I think um, to that point, Leslie, I think we kind of have probably now that we've we're still in the pandemic but that whole sort of awakening of oh my goodness there are these hundreds of thousands of older adults that are isolated now they can't talk to their families and you know the technology has allowed that to occur and i think that that we've really underestimated the value of conversation mm -hmm. with people and you know in, in most of the assisted living and um, uh, senior living communities, everything was shut down. So they shut down the congregate um, dining halls, the activities were shut down, and this was for over a year. And so people didn't have that personal contact, that conversation, that social connection and interaction. And, and it's had a really significant effect on people. Um, so I think that conversation is really important. I know that when I've been, now I can go see my parents, my sister and I go up and I know how much they enjoy. I mean, they just change when we're both there because we talk and they don't engage a lot. You know, that has kind of fallen off, but, but at least they're engaged. You know, we talk about movies and we talk about books and, you know, what's going on in the world. And, and I just think it makes a huge difference. Well, and I think it makes a difference on both sides. You know, when you meet on Zoom, there's like, everybody's like flat Stanley, you know, like we're not like, I met two clients this weekend in Minnesota when I was up in Duluth, you know, I hadn't been able to meet them in two years. And I'm like, oh my God, you're in 3D. Like you're, you know, you're, you're, you're three dimensional. Like how cool is this? But we talked about how we've have been having these Zoom meetings for a year and a half and how much more energy flow there was when we were in person, you know, and yeah. we literally just sitting at a conference table. Nobody was, you know, dancing a jig or doing anything special, but there was that energy energy flow back and forth. But I can tell you, and I think I mentioned this once on one of our earlier broadcasts, when my kids were small and I worked exclusively in technology and I was programming ladies late in the night or sometimes all night long, then I would get up and take my kids to the preschool or wherever we were going to go, take a nap, like do whatever I could. 
but I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't talk to my babies either. So, you know, they didn't have anything to say. So I just, <laughs> you know, stayed quiet, but we were the silent household. And then when I would go out every once in a while, I would get a job that required me to go meet a client. And I swear I couldn't talk like without moving my fingers. I was so used to working on chat boards and things. I actually forgot how to speak and I had to practice and work on that. This was before radio, but I was shocked at how much my ability to communicate with someone fell away after like a year of programming in the middle of the night by myself. Absolutely. So you, you can imagine how that affects older people. And you know, my sister is a therapist like Leslie is, and you know, she's been doing teletherapy with all of her clients for this last year and a half. And thank goodness for that, you know, because it's allowed people access, even older people access, they don't have to leave in order to get counseling. Well, she's been back in the office and she said she did not realize how, how much she missed by being with her clients face-to-face, mm -hmm. -face, you know, personally. Um, and the way I described it was, it's almost like there's this kind of drifting away you know there's not it's an, like this intangible thing that happens and it's a very tangible thing that happens when you're actually with someone and conversing and she said she's been pretty surprised um, at how um, what an impact it's made for her to be back in the office with clients it's been really great um, so there are advantages and disadvantages like Leslie was saying you know having the zoom to be able to at least see a family member's face but it's not the same as that, as that personal contact. And I think that's what's really been missing this last year and a half with a lot of older people, you know, in, incredible isolation. I mean, not even being able to leave unless it's for a medical appointment. I mean, that's how it's been for some of these. But I mean, I think beyond that, it was, it's just really interesting, Sandra, that you pointed out that, you know, your, your dad is actually pretty technologically savvy, probably m more so than most people his age. But it's so passive for him. You know, at this point, he's not challenging himself. He's not. Um, he's just he knows how to do YouTube. You know, he knows how to listen to the Yankees game on his phone. So he knows how to do all those things. So they've become very comfortable for him. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because, you know, as he's at my brother's house my, with my, my brother and my sister-in-law, they don't have any kids. They don't have any dogs. And his thing was today when he called me, he says, oh, you know, I really miss you, Sam. And I said, oh, I love you, dad. I miss you too. And then he's like, nobody cooks for me here. <laughs> I'm like, well, glad to see you miss me or cooking. Um, you know, so you kind of have to, just like raising a teenager, you have to have a pretty thick skin when you're dealing with older people. But I said, well, dad, I said, you have, you know, Jack is next door. You've got Gene and Sue, they come over, you know, they, everybody invites my dad for dinner. He's a very nice man and he's, a, you know, very jolly. So people like to have him around and he's like, yeah, he goes, but it's not the same. He said, nobody hugs me. And he goes, when I'm in your house, you give me a hug in the morning. He says, Max and Zach, give me a hug before they go to school or they give him a hug before they go to the gym. And he goes, and then Chicken Nugget, you know, our dog, you know, comes up and he sits, you know, right next to grandpa and is there, you know, watching YouTube right along with them, you know, waiting for grandpa to spill a crumb. Um, but, you know, when you think of people who've been a year without any touch. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm sorry, I'm kind of stuck on the technology now. I mean, but, but the thing is, there's so much that's available. I mean, the Sudoku and, you know, Scrabble, you can do all of that on a device. It, you know, if somebody can learn to do that so that they can challenge themselves that way um, or go traveling or, you know, learn a new language or at least, you know, dip their toe in. Um, but yeah, I agree the, the, the physical touch as well. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, isn't that what they do during wartime is one of the, the tortures is to isolate people, you know, without human contact and without touch. I mean, yeah. it's, what do they call that? There's a term for that. Solitary. 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 Right. Right. Solitary yeah. confinement. That's what it's been. Yeah, and and I'm so like, wouldn't that be great? I could. Really I know <laughs> nobody asking to eat my food or taking you know things off my plate. Like solitary sounds pretty good right now. But you know, all joking aside, um, my dad doesn't read. You know, mm. he watches. He doesn't like to read. He was a salesman. He likes to talk. And I want to ask you guys your best advice on how to fix the biggest problem that I have is when I leave my office and I come into the kitchen or I'm helping the kids with something and I come into the kitchen every single time my dad wants to tell me what he saw on YouTube or what the Yankees are doing and he he has this overwhelming need to communicate my younger son is like that too, but they kind of implode when you put them together. And then my older son, Max and I are the listeners, you know, and we, we actually spent four days. He's going to UC Santa Barbara. He got a full scholarship, you guys. So oh, congratulations. Yep. and he's wow. doing brain science and pre-law because of all the wow. video games and brain. So we're really proud of him, but we went out to Santa Barbara and we probably exchanged like 10 words. You know, we rode in the car and we listened to stuff. Then we got there and he's like, he points and I'm like, okay, you know, we go through the drive through Like there's really no need for words for me and my one son, but my younger son and my dad, they need to talk all the time and I need not to listen but I don't know a nice way to shut that down without hurting their feelings because they really get their feelings hurt. Both my dad and my kid, when I'm like, I love you, but I listen for a living and I can't listen to you. You can't say that. And you can't say, dad, I don't want to hear about the Yankee game. Sometimes I just pretend I can't hear them and I walk right by. I'll let the therapist answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you, you do have a situation there and it's important that you're recognizing your father's need and your own. It, and the fact that the flexibility at your dad's age might not allow him to say, oh, oh, you're right. Um, but it could be worth it to say to him, especially as you're just leaving your workspace and going into the kitchen, to say, uh, we have a box around this time for 30 minutes or 45 minutes, whatever you can stretch it to, and, and, and have maybe that on a card. Sandra, unavailable for this period of time, just, you know, perhaps explaining it to him as this is a decompressing time. It's like I've been outside and hearing too much noise and my body just needs 
a very quiet space for this allotted time. And then maybe that's just a thought to try because then maybe that really does give you a space that you feel control over. And then you can be more open at a later time. In fact, you could even make like a date or appointment to say, and then I wanna hear everything about the game at this. Right, just give me a minute or whatever. Give me yeah. a little bit, like, cause you know, I need to start dinner or whatever, you know. And I did try the date thing. And I have to tell you, I watched like 157 episodes of Matlock and I bought my dad the DVD series, all of them, because I was trying to find Matlock on YouTube, trying to find it. It was on the Hallmark Channel. Then they took it off. And what was happening, though, is I sat down. It was like encroachment. Maybe this is a boundary issue on my end. But I would say, Dad, you know what? After I clean up dinner, I'm go. We're gonna ha- we're gonna hang out and watch Matlock because you know he's seen him a hundred times, so we can you know talk while that. And that was kind of my way of containing it. But then, like one episode, forty five minutes would go by, and then he'd be like, "Oh, come on, let's watch another." And I'm stuck there for three hours of Matlock, and I'm like, you know you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings and there's nobody else in the world that he wants to sit and watch Matlock with. And I try to foff it off on my kids. I'm like, okay, you get Matlock tonight. You get second (laughs) Matlock. Like, you know, and it's hard when I have to tell him to go in his room, like in my house where you walk in the front door, where the kitchen is, the pool and everybody's bedrooms. He's, he's planted in that center spot so that he can be involved in everybody's stuff. And now we have a ring, you know, the ring on the thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He sits and he watches it. He waits on his phone and he goes, Oh, Sam, I see you just got home from the gym. How was your workout? I'm like, (laughs) The other thing that I have to share with you, just because it's, you know, I like to lighten up very heavy topics. My poor son at 17 years old, finally had his first kiss. And it was picked up on the ring and my dad watched it and his little brother watched it and I watched it. And at least my little, his little brother and me had the courtesy of not saying anything. Then grandpa goes in the ring chat and he's like, who's that girl? (laughs) You know, so this technology that together, you know, I think it's hilarious. You know, if you're going to have your first kiss, why not broadcast it to everybody in our family? That's great. On, on the ring um but that need is getting greater rather than less and i don't know if this is going to be something that i can manage because you know not being mentally sharp is one thing but not being able to do a lot is as another and you're in my living room like a plant in the middle of the floor mm-hmm. yeah i loved leslie's um answer. I thought it was great. And then meanwhile, I'm thinking in my mind, can't you find him like an online buddy, you know, that he can chat with? I mean, really, I did. I bet there's something like that. Oh, out there. I have. Okay. 1130 Tuesday and Thursday, my sister calls. Tuesdays, my Aunt Ruth calls. Every day at one o'clock, my Uncle Gary calls. My brother calls every day at four o'clock. There's not any lack of people for him to talk to. 
It's that he wants to talk to me. You, he yeah. wants to tell me everything that he talked about with my uncle Gary, which goes back like, you know, till 1939 and you know what my brother's doing, what my sister's doing. And I'm like, if I cared what my brother and sister were doing, I'd ask them, you know, I don't need the, you know, NBC Howard Cosell play by play, you know, but if I, if I push back and I say, dad, you know what? I got to make dinner right now. I've got to do this. The only thing that he will recognize is if I say I need to pee because <laughs> I have to pee a lot now because it's <laughs> me out of there. Or I'll say, dad, I need to make a work call. I need to do something in the work. And then I walk and pretend like I'm going to my office. Then I bend over and I sneak up the stairs because you can't see me turn that corner. And I'm just going to give you this feedback, Sandra. That's not good to be doing in your own house. You I know. need to feel, and, and, you know, since we have been talking about technology, is there a way to limit the ring? Yeah, I did that. I took, I took that auto, that ring that, you know, yeah. like, Hey, cause you know, grandpa couldn't hear. And he's basically the door opener when packages come. We didn't realize that when you connect your phone in New York to Wi-Fi, it, it transmits everything we're doing in this house. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> that's a good thing to know. Cause I was thinking about, Oh, maybe we should get a ring. Now I'm thinking, well, if it's just you and your husband, that's one thing. But if you have other family members that come in and out, yeah, yeah. no joy. That's interesting. Yeah. So Leslie, you were onto something here. How, how does Sandra set those boundaries? Well, again, I think it requires our good old reliable communication where we say what we need to say. And we can, you know, I hear you loud and clear. You do not want to hurt this person's feelings. Right. And, and that is very admirable, but we know what happens to people when they don't communicate what they need. It just builds up. It becomes yeah. a negative. It can create resentment. And so I think if you really make this clear, like, I don't know, like in, in the background you have on air, and maybe there's a sign that can go up in that central space where your dad is that's like, Sandra is taking a breather. Right, right, because that's what my on-air light is for. It's because my dad would decide he's going to vacuum and bang the vacuum right into my sound studio while I'm trying to record. So now I have that turns on and I put I hang it outside my door and he knows I'm on the air. So, you know, we've worked something out there. I think, the, you know, the hardest thing is I realize how lonely he is without my mother, how lonely he is. You know, he's out in California, away from his New York, everything like it's hard. It's a hard thing. And I think all of us have compassion for anyone in that state. Yeah. And, and I don't know if this is a thing because I know you live in a rural area, but, um, you know, this is just my go-to place is, is there a senior center that he could go one morning or afternoon a week? Or... And I tried to get him in at Edwards Air Force Base, you know, with their, you know, so he could be a docent. He knows everything about airplanes, but nothing is open. And then I don't want him driving anymore. So right. now I'm like, mm -hmm. going, okay, how do I get the kid to school, grandpa to this? I mean, there is, 
I know that I have to have some of these harder conversations. And then the other thing too, is we've got memory issues. So I get all upset about having the tough conversation today. And then I'm like, crap, I have to do it again tomorrow, (laughs) the day after that, because with short-term memory problems, you know, you kind of have to redo these over and over. Right. But that's why I like Leslie's idea of the sign. Yeah, of because something. then it's there because then it's visual and then maybe that would sort of jog his memory. I think it's worth a try. I would love to see you try that. Yeah. Well, what's the worst I, that could happen? You know, it doesn't right. work. So Or that he might feel hurt, but as you said, he's probably not going to remember it as strongly the next day. Or at all. Or at all. So, um, and, and that's hard to do. No doubt about it, um, but I think it is worth it because you have such a valuable situation at your house, and your dad knows that. Yeah, and yeah. he wants you to be feeling good about. Yeah, and thankfully, about. like I've been getting a lot of support from my oldest brother of all people. You know, he's the one that helps my dad in the summer, and he's just like, you know, like my dad got mad, and he's like, you know, I'm just going to go back to Sam's house where she takes care of me, because my brother's tough love. He's like, get up and walk, no driving the tractor. He drives his tractor to our neighbor's house to say hello, but he won't walk. I mean, it's all of like 75 feet, and um, he can, you know, get to the tractor fine, but, um, you know, he really defended me and said, you know what, San has a right to her own life, too. San has a right to her privacy, because like, if I go out on a date he's on the ring going where are you going that ring jeez yeah that ring boy that's you know something something just happened to my dad which um made me realize um so last week he got a phone call from his roommate in college so this was what 70 years ago never had contact with him since never had a phone call with him didn't know what he was doing so this phone call comes out of the blue and my dad said that, that his roommate talked to him for a good solid hour. Oh. And I thought, why did he do that? And it, of course, then it just, it just hit me. Well, he's lonely, yeah. you know, and he wanted somebody to talk to and, to, you know, he wanted to make that connection to his past. And so my dad found out about everything that he worked for GE his whole life. I guess he's in a wheelchair now. So you can just kind of see the situation. He was yeah. just feeling... But he just called him out of the blue. And I thought, wow, that, that, that's pretty brave to yeah, do something that like is. that. Yeah, you know? 70 um, years later. And it does kind of make you wonder if other people do that. I mean, do they just call people that they haven't been in touch with and just well, my dad does, you know, my dad, does he? Uh, yeah, because I took his cell phone and, you know, they have this like old people Christmas card thing where, you know, somebody dies and then I have to strike the wife off and change the label, you know, and, and um, you know, it went from like, it started out as 60 Christmas cards when my dad moved in. Now we're down to like 32 because I know I need oh, one or two label sheets. Um, but he will, I'll say, have you talked to Bob Bazone lately? Why don't you give Bob a call? And, you know, even if they say the same thing every day, um, mm. you know, it's helpful. It doesn't help him wanting to tell me then the call about Bob, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough challenge. And I think, you know, it's going to be easier for next generations because I look at Facebook and like some of the Facebook groups I'm part of, I can talk to my old high school friends and we all have a good time and I could pop in and out. So I think some of the things that we're talking about are going to go away. 
because mm-hmm. as the next group, as the baby boomers age into this, there's still going to be social media. There's still going to be cell phones and Zoom. And, you know, I think it's really just this last group of, you know, kind of our World War II people that don't, you know, I tried to get my dad on Facebook with a, with a World War II buff group, but all those kids were like in their 20s. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I'm sorry, go ahead, Leslie. I was going to say one thing that we really know, and you can see that the scammers know this about this generation, is that the telephone is much more important. Think about all the important family information and life events that people learned about on the telephone. And so I know that in many communities, community aging services, uh, departments of aging have volunteers who call different people who are aging and isolated alone at home and so that they have a phone call. And over the pandemic, this kind of grew because a lot of high school students who needed to do their community service for their college applications couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't go be with people. So they got involved in phoning people as well. And that makes me wonder, just in terms of your dad, just just a little, you know, I'm just a suggester um, that maybe if the local aging services has a need for a volunteer and they could give him one or two people to just call and do a check-in with and how are you doing and what's it like at your house and right or maybe my dad's church like I think I could maybe see if there's some people there because at least it's in you know within the the church family you know that he might be more comfortable to say maybe there's some other old people out there you can gab with and you know almost always are yeah I think that's that's a great idea and and the whole purpose Sandra is that by the time he gets to you he'll be all talked out but you know I want, I want to go back to your great comment about, you know, I think the next generation is just so much better equipped, you know, to stay connected because then it just, it just kind of hit me. I thought, well, my dad's World War II and I look at their lives and they were so regimented, you know, and so structured and, you know, my dad was in the army and, you know, he did go to college on the GI bill and then he had his career. And then once his career was over, it was kind of like, Oh, now what? Now what? Yep. No, now what? I'm I'm kind of stuck. And I think you're so right. That generation is is just a little bit paralyzed because they don't have the tools. I mean, it's also the mental tools too to look at all the different creative ways that people can connect now. And so yeah, I think that's just such a great point. Well, yeah, like I bought my my family a Facebook Connect, you know, that I got those for Christmas where like oh, yeah. my aunt in Australia, she can just push the button and, you know, and then the stupid thing, you need to reset it every once in a while. And I'm like, oh, like there's no foolproof one. Maybe the iPad is the closest I think can be foolproof. But my dad's like, he had a hard time talking on the screen and so mm-hmm. what he would do is he took the Facebook thing and he flipped it up so I'm looking at the ceiling fan <laughs> and then he talked and listened because you know when you think about like your brain and you know all his life audio transmission has been either listening to the radio you know listening to the Yankees game uh, talking on the phone and only watching TV so right. now to have TV talk back to him 
that wasn't very comfortable and he doesn't like that. So even though he has an iPhone and he can FaceTime with anybody, he prefers not to. And my uncle Gary has an iPhone too. And I've connected their phones so they can watch the Yankee game together. And if they put their phones up, they can watch each other and talk while they watch the Yankee game. They can't do that. So they have to coordinate turn the Yankee game on, you turn the Yankee game on in Florida, we'll both get on. Now, can they talk on the phone the same time? Yes. Yeah. But they can't FaceTime. Like, it's too uncomfortable for them. That is so fascinating. And it makes you wonder what's happened to our brains. You know how our brains have changed through all this. And, you know, when I was overseeing my parents, um, I I ordered um, big print, large print books for my mom to read at the library. And so I said, oh, I think you'll really enjoy this book. So I whip out my phone, you know, get on the library app. And in less than a minute, I have it ordered. My dad looks at me with wonder and he goes, how did you do that? Yeah. And I said, well, it's just, it's just a library app, dad. And all I did was put in the book and they've got it. Yeah, on but your brain has been completely mapped to work with app technology. Like, right. you know, older people haven't had that, those neural connections made. They haven't had the brain mapping, you know, our brains, like I I'm big on brains. I'm like zombie girl. Like I just think brains are fascinating. And if it didn't kill my kids, I would cut their heads open regularly <laughs> to see what the digital's doing to their brain. Because, you know, we know that like the prefrontal cortex is certain things in the hippocampus and all these things. And so now we're developing, you know, some of these video games that we play. We know they stimulate the centers of pleasure and that they help, you know, kids on the spectrum with autism connect. Like there's so much we don't know about brain mapping and technology. But when you have a senior who hasn't been mapped, you know, good luck with that. Yeah, I love well, that term and mapping. Sort of getting back to our first part of this discussion comparing to older adults and how differently the technology might be impacting their brain and their brain functioning and to keep sharp. One thing that I think is really key is to have regular intervals that you interrupt the screen time yes. and stand up and or take some steps that don't have anything to go do with going to the bathroom or getting something to eat, but just for simple movement, because first of all, we need to have that interruption. Yep. Um, And the cardiovascular element of simply standing up, I know there've been a lot of studies about standing. And so now everybody's moving their desks to be these up and down things, which are great, but it's not an entire solution to the problem, which is that uninterrupted screen time having to do with the problem. And and going back to that study that I mentioned about television time, what there is obviously something physically different about engaging with an old technology, such as a book to a screen where you, you know that thing with little kids when they when you first let them watch television and their their bodies are almost frozen right they're catatonic like yeah they, they yes they just they're they're zoned in and they are not going to budge then as they get a little more comfortable with it they can multitask a bit but that does tell us something about how our bodies are responding 
Right. And how, like, you know, when I, you know, I think about these things late at night, cause I'm a huge nerd. And my latest thing is that I thought about like, why do I remember things better when I write them down versus like type them into my calendar and things like that. And then it got me to thinking our brains have developed over thousands of years to look at what cave paintings, then scrolls, mm. then, you know, after scrolls became books and, you know, we draw things in the sand, we drew things on caves. So there's something in our neurological development that has some sort of motion, some sort of stylus or whatever to create it. Well, now we have just all of this sensory input. You know, we've got light, we've got sound, we've got this. Now we're communicating like this. It has to change our neural connections. It has to change mm -hmm. our brain. And we know with neuroplasticity, how after a stroke, like, you know, the first thing is get up, get moving, you know, don't, don't sit and, you know, stay there. But an older brain is not as plastic as a younger brain. So when we look at the, the effects of, you know, basic zombie TV watching for hours on end, you know, what little plasticity it has is going to go by the wayside because it's literally just receiving, receiving, receiving. And you bring up a really good point. Uh, I remember, you know, there's, as your son will soon be learning, there are so many new uh, avenues for us to explore in terms of improving memory and cognition. Yep. But some of the basics are sensory input. And by that, I mean, not just what's coming in visually or that you hear, but that you also need to use and exercise touch, speech, taste, smell. So maybe that's involved in like when we take a break from our screen time and we stand up and stretch our muscles and feel a little bit of that and we take in a deep breath and maybe we have some sensory input about oh we were cooking some popcorn an hour ago or um we right, go out like and maybe just those few steps, because again, I know your struggle with your dad about going for a walk, but just say, I want you to go to the front door and open the door and take in five deep breaths of air. Yep. And then you can go back. And maybe when you go to the front door, you also sing a song, <laughs> you know, that you are using your memory about yep. something that's already loaded in the program and you're using your own voice. Uh, you were talking about, why do I remember things that I write down yep. instead of input into my device? And our own voice also triggers a lot of memory. You know how many people, the way they memorize is to read something aloud over and right. over and over again. So our own voice centers us back to into that memory zone somehow. That's so cool. Well, you know what, ladies, we're at the top of the hour. I want to thank you for being my guest today, Amanda Lambert and Leslie Eckford. It's so much fun just to talk about all these things with you. And for those of you listening today, if you liked what you heard, go to mindfulaging.com. Go to Amazon. Look up these ladies' books. You'll be glad you did. Amanda Lambert and Leslie Eckford, thank you for being my guest today. We'll be back again next week. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Military Mom Talk Radio. 
Want more information? Check us out at militarymomtalkradio.com or find us on iTunes for more than 500 free episodes. Drop us an email or find us on Facebook. We are looking forward to another great discussion. We hope you'll join us on Military Mom Talk Radio.